0: In addition to providing financing solutions in a traditional mortgage broker capacity, Abacus North provides direct loans that range from $2 million to $25 million. On a syndicated basis, they provide mortgage banking solutions up to $300 million. In most cases, their in-house capital solutions can bridge financing gaps that traditional lenders are unable to service. They specialize in providing land acquisition loans, construction financing for large-scale developments, income-producing properties, and single-purpose facilities. With a portfolio that includes high-rise, mid-rise, and low-rise condominiums, townhouse developments, shopping centers, agricultural properties, industrial developments, and medical marijuana facilities, Abacus North is at the forefront of creative mortgage banking solutions all right, so Josephine, people in my life are absolutely probably sick and tired at this point of me talking about you because um, I really like about like a week before we did our podcast, then since it is aired and then after that, um, like it's just like like the details of our podcast and like you as a person, like I've been been talking about you like nonstop and stuff. So uh, thank you for coming back on so we could have another conversation today.
1: Well, uh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited about today and um, happy to share more stories.
0: Yeah. Um, So like we were discussing before we hopped on, I really want you to walk us through like the journey of, you know, um, you know, wanting like the need and feeling kind of like the passion the fire of connecting with the Wim Hof breathing. Like after you started doing some research, you know, like on him and what he was doing then wanting to become an instructor, you know, what it was like going through that instructor process. And, you know, like now, like where you've traveled, you know, like offering these services, the experience that you have, you know, like, the the narratives that you hear from people because um I feel it's important to educate people not only like on your experience behind it but like the stories behind it as well because people are so apprehensive to be able to get into the cold like everybody always first says like I don't like the cold I hate the cold I'm not a cold person (laughs) um and just you know like because obviously you've seen a lot of transformations of that thought process over the years so um bring us right to the start so like you're just you're you're enthralled with this experience this man and you want to do it and you know what was it like taking those first steps into becoming an instructor and where did you do it
1: yes of course um oh so many questions everyone so i start slowly like um i think i mentioned in the first podcast already that I got to know VIM and the, the method because I actually supervised or I was part of a study in 2016. So I'm a molecular biologist and like we set up a study um, together with the university in the Netherlands and with the whole Wim Hof team to analyze the positive effects of the method. And that was like I got interested in 2015 by watching a WISE documentary and I contacted the researchers. I did do a study with my company, the university and the Wim Hof method in 2016. And that's where I really got to know the method. Like Wim was very enthusiastic about it. So I just came there to help with the study and he was like, you need to do the breathing, you need to do the ice bath. And yeah, I was so convinced already on these first days where I did the method that I thought like, Oh, it would be awesome to be able to teach it because like, in my life as a molecular biologist, like I, I did a lot of lab work, a lot of work on the computer, and always with a thing in my head. That's why I studied it when I was young, like or younger, <laughs> um, like to help people and to make people healthier and happier and also stronger. And then I found the Vamhoff method, and so like oh, that seems like a shortcut without the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so, like something that really gives people a benefit quite fast in their, in their lives and like a feelable benefit without taking, like getting on medications. And I said, like, that's amazing. It's actually more what I believe in because science did in a way, yeah, I did see all the bad parts of, mm. <laughs> of pharma and, and research. And I did not want to be on the bad side. I wanted to be on the good side and so i changed sides pretty quickly so in 2017 i became an instructor like i decided very quickly about it that i want to do it i was a yoga teacher already at that time point and a meditation teacher Um, yeah and then i started in i think it was may 2017 i did my education in the netherlands like that was the first module Do you have
0: to fly there or did you choose to fly there? Like, did you learn from Wim himself or was it somebody that he taught? Like, like what, why would you go there? Or like I said, or was that the only place you could go?
1: Okay. Like at that time, I think there were no trainings in the US and I'm German myself. So actually it's a very short drive by train or not short, but like takes me like six to eight hours and I'm from my place in Germany, which is close to Berlin actually to the place of the Iceman in the Netherlands so and I think now they do like every year one training in in America um so not in Canada up up till now I think but in in the US and so for me it was an easy choice like I just took a train and I was um (laughs) with the Iceman and did the training and And if you're gonna learn
0: from somebody like learning from Wim in the Netherlands like like that's the best experience, right? Like, like, cause that's the epicenter. That's the home of it. It's the, yeah. root and, you know, like that would just make the experience so much better.
1: Well, yeah, for sure. Like I, I was very happy to directly learn from him. And um, the good thing about the method is it's already grown a little bit. So now we also have teachers that teach the method to new teachers that's the academy the wim hof academy and actually my partner is also part of the academy i i might become soon it's like i I hear some rumor (laughs) that that will happen um and like by so in a way they have a team of teachers in the academy so you have them there of course but everybody who has seen a video with Wim knows like Wim can be like very cha- chaotic and just follows his, his intuition. And like to balance that out, they have a team of instructors that bring in a little bit of structure, like some Germans, you know, for the time management <laughs> <laughs> and all the all the contents that actually they um, want to teach to the new teachers. And so I learned not only from Wim, but also for from some really awesome, great um, Wim Hof instructors that have been, yeah, in the game for quite a long time, so. How um, many
0: people were in your class? Like, when, when you <laughs> went, was it like, was it pretty intimate, just a few people, or was there like a whole, like, ton? Like, what was what was that like?
1: Like, it was already a little bit bigger, but not as big as it is now. So in my group there, there were like um, 30 people, and three of them were, were women or the other were just men. So it was pretty dominated by men at this time point. still. Mm-hmm. Now it's changing a little bit. And in the new groups, like when we are teaching now new teachers, um, which happened, for example, like um, this March, I was um, at Wim's place for another three weekends yeah. um, where new teachers were in a way in the academy and that we're a group of 50 to 60 people now oh, yeah. and it was three weekends after each other so it, bec- it becomes a little bit more requested so like more people um want to be able to teach the method and that's that's nice obviously and also more girls and more women are um are coming and joining the courses so it feels it's good
0: so when like when you went the first time like like how many hours is it? How many days? Like you mentioned, like this next one was three weekends. Like, did you come back home like on Sunday night or Monday morning? Mm-hmm. Then you go back on the weekend. Like what? what's the time? Like, like the structure yeah. when you go?
1: So the time timeline structure is like to become an instructor, you need to follow three things. So first you need to do the online course. That's like a 12 week thing. So it will, yeah, roughly take you um, 12 weeks to follow it. And then you learn already, like all the things about the method, like for yourself, you learn the breathing, you learn cold exposure, you do some stretches together with women the yoga teacher. And after that, you, um, you apply for the weekend, um, which I had in May 2017. And that's like just one weekend. So it's two days. You arrive in a way um, on Friday evening, but the teachings, lectures start on Saturday morning and you leave on Sunday evening and can fly home or go home on on Monday, Monday morning. Um, After that, like it's required that you practice teaching at home, but like mostly one-on-one, like you're allowed to give workshops for your family and friends on a non-paid base. And after you've done that for half a year and collected some, you know, some more knowledge in, in, in teaching, you can apply for the, for the module, which is a week long, which is usually in like in Poland. I did it in Poland at the end of 2017 in Poland. It's roughly a week long, a little bit shorter, actually. I think it's five days or something. Why like would that.
0: it be in Poland? Like what's in Poland that it's, uh, is there. <laughs>
1: Wim that f- fall in love with Poland and there's actually, there's this actually this is one place in Poland called Piischeka mm. it's at the Czech border yeah. it's still in Poland but it's on the Czech border and it's beautiful there it's like has these awesome rivers and the forest and everything is so green and everything is quiet and there are not many people there at all and you can just in a way walk through the snow there are no big streets, no big cars and Kind of when you are there, and I, I love to do my retreats there. You have the whole space in a way for yourself, and there's a big waterfall, and we can have dips oh, wow. there. And Śnieżka is not far, so Śnieżka is a big mountain at the um, Polish and Czech border. Mm. It's like 1,600 meters high, and oh, we wow, climbed yeah. it usually during like we climbed it during the Wim Hof education, but we also climbed it, or we also climbed it with on, yeah within yeah. our retreats that's goes. awesome mm-hmm.
0: so what a great experience a way to be able to like travel around too, going from like the netherlands and poland then and obviously like you're centralized in germany it's like a great way to be able to like tour around and see the different environments and you know even just to see parts of europe like it just like that sounds like a, an amazing adventure to be able to go on never mind the educational perspective
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like I, I was so happy that I made the decision to really do the Wim Hof instructors training because at that time point, I was already only working part time in, in biotech and in farmer. So because I felt like something is, I need more space to grow and do the things that I love. So in the other part, I was teaching yoga and meditation already. And then I, yeah. I, I got to know so many amazing people also during the Wim Hof instructors course and talked more with them and it is such an inspiring field of people that really in a way that enabled me to have the power and the courage to quit my job. Like yeah. even I did even quit my job before I was a Wim Hof instructor. I did quit it a few a few weeks before. I was like, okay, now all or nothing. <laughs>
0: What a yeah. big leap, eh? Like, how did that feel making like that big leap of saying like, I really don't connect with this because this is where we are right now in the world, right? Like they're, the vast majority of people do not connect with their nine to five job at all. And arguably they hate going to it every single day, but they're terrified to be able to make that leap mm-hmm. into finding something they like more than also quitting their job before they find mm-hmm. something that they actually are going to do to replace that.
1: Mm-hmm. it took quite some courage and also my my upbringing was more like on the conservative side so like my parents uh, like and we had quite some discussions about it like always wanted me to have like a secure and stable job where I can earn good money and my health insurance is covered and my pension like when I'm getting older is covered and 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 I can really understand that like of course, parents want their children to be safe. Um, but safety is not all we need. <laughs> We're like, we need more than safety or I need more than safety. I need freedom, freedom of choice. And I need like, also happiness in my life. And just doing something which is... It, I was not unhappy in my job. It's not that I was unhappy, but it was not, I was not living my full potential. Yeah. I was doing it and I was doing it good. I had really nice team members and really nice, actually also really nice um, boss. Um, So, I mean, who can say that? (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I was just, I I felt like something is still missing and I'm able to do more and to do better and to like also make more of an impact Mm -hmm. on people. And I I don't want to say the world, but like I felt like I can do more. I can give more.
0: But doesn't that go to show you though that, When you're connected with a little bit more of a a holistic side of you, a little bit more of a natural, and you were with meditation and yoga, that we get into these environments that we're told should be like the environments we're really aiming to be in in life, you know, like the secure job, the good paycheck, the great colleagues, the great boss. But doesn't that go to show you that like we really don't actually connect with those environments the way that we think we should or the way that we're told? We always have this feeling like it's just not quite right. And that's kind of like where you ended up, right? And, mm-hmm. and a lot of people feel that way. And as soon as you step into an environment that's a little bit more connected with like our primal roots, like jumping in some cold water, breathing techniques, mm-hmm. like yoga, like, like these things have been around for a really long time that connect us with who we are versus disconnect us from who we are. Like, do you guys see a lot of that shift happening over there? Because obviously this is a way that you've lived your life for quite a while. I, I would assume because you've been into yoga and meditation, that's what connected you with like the Wim Hof breathing techniques you know like the science behind it but also mm-hmm. who you are as a person so like what what got you into natural living or holistic living
1: mm-hmm. i think it was like always there also when i when i started to study biology i was interested in humans and to health into how things but like it within our body work and why they don't work in a like when we get ill like I was always very interested in that and I really started to study with high goals and a really high, like I think what I did imagine, like when I, when I imagined the life of a biologist or a researcher or a doctor, they were really high up there and I thought like, oh, that's so amazing. If you, if you have studied that, you can really help people and you can make such an impact and help and you learn so much and I I was really like, I was, they were up here. And then when I have studied it, I mean, I've studied it for five years and I did another five years of a PhD. And then I kept on working in biotech and um, research for a while, like I think in total another five years. I I realized actually my picture that I had has changed. Mm -hmm. Like I could see more of the truth. Like, and I, I believe like there quite some doctors out there that still have this gold in their heart they really want to do something good but with the tools they have sometimes they can actually not do better than they are doing like they are limited by by what they have learned but also limited by yeah the pharmaceutical (laughs) tools that are there which are mostly designed to earn money, in, in my viewpoint, like, yeah. it's my viewpoint, um, and not really designed to make the world so much better for a patient, yeah. um, and that's, of course, very mean if I say that, because there are also really quite some good medications out there, and I know, and I don't want to <laughs> be all bad about the pharma, so there are definitely some, <laughs> there's some good stuff out there, but there's also a shit load of <laughs> yeah. stuff that is not good <laughs>
0: I just think that the emphasis is too high. Like that's kind of where it's morphed into is that the emphasis that like big pharma is the be all end all. Like that'll be the only thing that'll help. You know, I think that's the problem because then the motivations are very much, they don't become complimentary because that's what I like about like Eastern medicine and holistic living is that our bodies know what to do. We just might need to give it a little boost of tools, you know, mm-hmm. but like Western approach and big pharma is just like, no, 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 like we'll curb what's going on in your body and we'll, we'll implement entirely new strategies and tools and I think that's where like the wheels come off the bus is because like it's not very complimentary. Like it's not complementary mm-hmm. in the degree of like what a, a little bit more of like an Eastern approach is and that's like I wanna believe after all of the years that we've been on this planet that we've biologically figured it out to some degree with what's going on around us that we can have these positive effects and we see that through, obviously, like with the Wim Hof breathing technique and, you know, being in the cold, like like these things actually have great physiological benefits mm-hmm. and things that we can see, like walking through those doors that if we just, if we expand our thought process, like out of the big pharma, we just walk outside and really get like what we need to feel fulfilled mm-hmm. as people. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's it. Like I've, I've never stopped searching. Like I searched quite a time and- biology and farmer and research and I did not find all the answers that I wanted so I never stopped searching so I you know also went to Thailand and did an education um on plant medicines um like don't think about ayahuasca yet but like like really like herbal stuff and how you can help people with with massage and um pressing acupressure points and how to teach Reiki and how to give Reiki and like I was just like, and I'm still not finished. Like I still like I plan on doing a lot of courses and learning a lot from a lot of different people and then make my own, make my own out of oh, my own out of it. So like some some pe- some things resonate with you. Some yes. teachers resonate with you. Other things don't resonate with you and other teachers don't resonate with you. But you always like take things on that come along your way and um, kind of integrate them to, to one one thing. And yeah, so keeping on learning and like the Wim Hof method is one big part of the puzzle like for me and for what, what I'm doing. Yeah, mm. And yoga meditation for sure, breathing another part of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, between when you took the first course and then um, in the Netherlands and then when you went to Poland, in between that time period where you were kind of just banking some time and learning this method and teaching it and and you know obviously feeling different things inside of you and seeing how it affected your friends and family, what are some of the things that you learned along the way in that process that kind of really helped fine tune you getting to that next level in Poland? Mm-hmm.
1: Like for me, it was really like it was summer then obviously. So it was May when I did the first weekend. And then I had like all like summer and part of the fall um, to prepare. And then we met all again in November in in Poland. So in the summertime I could not like, you know, I used a little bit of cold that was there in the lakes that are surrounding us here in Potsdam. Mm. And I went also to like workshops of other Wim Hof Method instructors. Mm -hmm. to kind of see what they are teaching and um, went to workshops of of them and had like ice baths there and connected with the community. And in a way, like the thing, apart from the method, so apart from the breathing and the cold and the mindset, like for me, the Wim Hof method is more like a family, actually, to be honest. Like there's another layer to it which is the community, the community of teachers and the inspiration also by other teachers, if you see how they live their life. And um, so by, by seeing that, I thought like, okay, it's, it's possible, like they have done it. Like it's inspiring to, to, to see it, like to see people just going for what they want without fear. And I'm sure that being in an ice bus regularly <laughs> <laughs> on a regular base, is also in a way priming your body and your mind to I can do that. I don't need to be afraid. I can do that. Uh, and that's a mindset I think that people get from being in the cold and doing challenges in general, actually. I think that's also why some people are so like so into extreme sports. It's also the oh my god, I'm able to do this, like the feeling of inner strengths not only physically but also mentally
0: mm-hmm. yeah what do you notice or what have you seen are some of the similarities behind the people who are drawn to like the Wim Hof method and you know like ice baths and you know whether that be from like a, a teacher level or a participant level like what do you see is like the like the similarities that that bond that community because like you know you bring up a good point This is the reason why we all do these things and gravitate towards them as we feel this this sense inside of us this intuition saying I should be I I want to be drawn to this environment but then when we get there we meet all these people that we feel like we connect with and the experience becomes so much better because it does become like a community and then you have like that extension of your family and you have like this place to go and the people who share the same passions as you but like what are some of like the the similarities between all of these people that you've noticed over the years
1: (laughs) yeah so um... I mean, think again of Vim, because like, you know, Vim, probably most of the people that listen now know or have seen like a little video of them. And if you really remember, maybe even like podcasts with, with Vim, you might notice that Vim really does not care so much about what other people think. Mm. Like he's a very, very free spirit and he's sharing his, his beliefs no matter, no matter what. No matter what you sing or somebody else is singing, he's saying like oh that's my truth i'm I'm speaking my truth I'm not scared of you judging me i'm not yeah, I'm just not scared about that like i'm if I need to share my truth, I share my truth mm. and like he's a very free human, like also not only in the way that he is like sharing like in words what he's believing in, but also if you see vim living in his space living with his family he's he sometimes starts like suddenly to dance like do a little dance shaking the booty um or singing a little bit or drumming a bit or if he if he has like a problem he's not afraid to 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 also like i wouldn't call it screaming but to really say very strongly his opinion and um And being like raising his voice or sharing a tear. He's like very, he's a very human person. Like a a very, I think we had that before. Like the superhuman. He's superhuman. He's very human. (laughs) He's expressing all there is. And um, in a way, I see that also in the community of teachers and also within the students. They have this longing for authenticity this longing even for what from others might be perceived as crazy like yeah. oh he's crazy or she's crazy she's just dancing in the rain <laughs> like like and they, but there's a longing for this in people like they want to be able to like be a little bit like them
0: freedom right
1: freedom of expression
0: mm-hmm. yeah 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 it really goes to show you like i, I actually personally feel that too. When when you are living in this space where like freedom of expression is authentically pure to your day, to who you are, like quality of life, like exponentially increases. And this goes back to like you, you know, working in a lab and you know, you have like this, this dream job and this dream environment, like all these things you've been working towards, but like, there's not, there's not a lot of freedom when we box yourself into those things. They can be very interesting. And they can be like they can spark our interest. And we can wanna do them. But we we as people like as like more nomadic tribes of people that are like live off the land, like when we're so like disjointed from those environments, I feel like the the yearning for like that sense of like unbridled freedom is just is burning inside of us right now at such an all-time high. And, like you said, like you've seen it, people doing extreme sports and extreme obstacle courses and running ultra marathons and sitting in 220 degree saunas for an hour and sitting in <laughs> ice baths and, you know, rowing around England and running across the countries. Like you see all these people because like, they all just represent like that, that base of freedom. So I can imagine when you're around 50 or 60 of these people at like one of these seminars, it must be absolutely incredible. Like the, the energy of those people must be just amazing
1: mm-hmm. yeah like for me really what what i also in my former job like where i felt some limitations was for sure like being like i sometimes was on conferences for a whole week like these conferences you don't have natural light you know you were like in a center like you know with all these little chats from companies and then you have talks and it's like you're totally in a blue light zone um, where talks are happening it's very structured and like you learn a lot and you can also contribute knowledge but like I feel like we as humans we have to contribute so much more than just knowledge like we can contribute with words of wisdom. But I think like all the other, other layers were, were missing in a way, I felt like there was no real human interactions with like this. I mean, if you're working in business development, you're selling a thing and it's not really, like I felt like there's something missing like with in, in German, we also have this, like you're talking Z to people, like yeah. in English, you always say you. In German we have sie and du and you always are staying on this more superficial level of sie. <laughs> and you you know, maybe maybe once in a while you learn about our family background or but mostly it say, stays in business context. And I really felt like this was like sad for me also to see. And you are pressed into a form also in a way you need to dress. I mean obviously if you go to a conference you need to be dressing like properly and it would not be the way I would dress in private. I would dress differently, like more free. And mm-hmm. we are talking about it before, like walking barefoot, um, having the hair open and no makeup. Um, and I, I feel very comfortable like that. And of course that's not really how you show up to a business conference. <laughs> yeah, you, more like, engaged.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. And on like one side of that you have like, hundreds of thousands of years of like living with the hair down and, you know, very free clothes, no shoes. And then you have like, you know, maybe like 150 years of like, you know, makeup and hair pulled back and, you know, like dressing perfect and shoes on and all that kind of stuff. But like, like you see it. And if we just watch children freely operate, it's like shoes are off, clothes are dirty, hair is down, knots in the hair, like, you know, hungry, running around, just like absolutely and then we get to this this point of like an age a numerical number where we're told you can't act like that anymore and now you have to pull your hair back you have to, you know put on the suit you know you have to get in the car and you have to go to the you know mm-hmm. fake environment and like this is just who you need to be now and and again like you see so many people rebelling against that and like you're such a classic example of that and now you're around a community of people who are also examples of that that as well. So it brings me to my next question. After you get back from Poland, Mm -hmm. like what happens that, like you have like this experience. Where do you go from there in in your training and your courses and your seminars? Like what's next?
1: (laughs) Actually, in in Poland, the most amazing thing that happened, like I did fall in love. love. And from there, like when people ask me, how did the Wim Hof method change your life? I'm always like smiling to myself saying, yeah, the Wim Hof method for sure changed my life. But also because I met my partner, Dauer, and we are now, in a way, side, side by side. Um, awesome. He's also a Hof Method instructor, and we are teaching so much together, and we are also learning a lot from each other, because it's a constant feedback loop, mm-hmm. like, like yeah. oh, yeah, I really liked what you did there, or hmm, I felt like this, this just didn't flow so well. I would do it that way. And so it's like from there on, like it really all started because, um, yeah, yeah, like love makes new things happen. I lived for a while in the Netherlands. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm understanding Dutch now quite quite well. Like the original language of the Wim Hof method. Yeah, yeah I'm fluent. <laughs> no. I'm not not fluent one hundred percent, but I, I I learned a lot and lived there a while. And now yeah, we are back to Germany together. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's, so that's amazing. Mm-hmm. it's yeah. also another thing that i really believe and that the wim hof method is kind of opening your heart like mm-hmm. it's like you people let down their masks of mm-hmm. pretending they really show who they are and that is kind of the best basis for people to meet like to make new friendships to to make new relationships mm-hmm. it's it's happening all, like in Poland, like people came to us, like people being like over 60 years said like, you know, Josephine, I never thought that I would be able again, like for another time, like to, to make a new friend yeah. because I've lived all that life. I stopped working and I thought like, okay, well, I have my friends from yeah, work or school and with my children, my grandchildren but I did not think that I would be able to make new friends. Mm. And here I am being 60 plus. I have the feeling that I, that I've met my tribe. I've made 10, 10 new friends. And if you follow these groups and people, like they stay connected, like not all of them always, obviously, but, you always see like oh they visited each visited each other and you see a post about it um or they are chatting with each other hey i did like an ice bath or i experienced this and that what do you think about that or have you seen vim's newest podcast and it's um yeah makes me really happy the method definitely is also about connection it's like the hidden pillar that people maybe on first sight don't see it's connection yeah
0: Well, like you said, like opening up your mind and opening up your heart, because it's like when we're we're challenged with an environment that looks so much different than what we're told is normal, it allows us to be able to understand that there's there's layers to this game, you know? And I think like then that allows you to say, well, you know, maybe I can look at things a little bit different and then we get a little bit more into free thought, you know, free speech, free love, like where we can connect with these things on a little bit different of a level, because I think a lot of people don't connect with how to be able to live the perfect life right now, you know, Eric quotes that, you know, when they do come into these environments, it's like, oh, this is what life is supposed to be like. And it's like that switch that gets flipped on in your heart and your mind. And you're just like, this feels like home. You know, when things mm-hmm. feel like home, like that's when my heart really opens up when when I feel like connected with like home and like you said, like your tribe, your community, because mm-hmm. it just feels like love. It feels loving it mm-hmm feels protective and they're just there's so much value that comes from those
1: environments Mm -hmm.
0: yeah where have you uh where have you guys been uh to teach your seminar since you started uh, the Wim Hof Method and you guys got back from Poland um Mm -hmm. where have you been where have you traveled to like how many do you do do you do them weekly monthly quarterly uh Mm
1: -hmm mhm like i think we definitely do them monthly um but it's not always a huge event sometimes like it's just like a one day event and i'm definitely at this time point like all around in in germany like the like bigger c- cities but also outside of germany like obviously like we we are in poland teaching in poland um we have a good friend in in denmark or actually like many good friends in denmark mm-hmm. so we were teaching there um Um, in Copenhagen and then also in Norway there's an amazing uh, meditation center very popular famous author and in Norway also invited us to teaching in Norway um yeah and
0: traveled all over then like you yeah it's it's scouting through Europe and having some yeah
1: and sometimes we feel like oh we cannot really do that like like we don't have time like when we get like you know, you need to choose sometimes, and then my, I've never been in that position where you need to be choosing for things, or also learning to say no to things. And it's like it's still a progress to so. do that. Like if you ask, "Oh, can you come to Croatia? Or can you come to Z- Um, Or like, like how to how to make that possible? Like all oh, and you. And then there's me,
0: like, how can you get to Vancouver during COVID nineteen? <laughs>
1: exactly but i would really love to like i have a good friend um also living in canada and um yeah i think that would be that would be nice to to also also see, see her and maybe making a little step in the u.s and teaching a workshop there because we were also asked to teach in the u.s from two different friends so maybe we can make a little tour like to make the you know, to make one flight over the big lake and then <laughs> teach yeah. several workshops. That would be, that would be amazing. Yeah.
0: I think you definitely can because when, uh, when I was promoting um, our podcast, you know, I went, I specifically targeted California just to see, because California is pretty progressive and you're like, there's lots of talk and obviously with like Joe Rogan's podcast, you know, and Wim Hof being on it and like, there's quite a bit of narrative in the California area and um, people love you in California. Yeah, like women <laughs> they really, really connect with, with you and your message in California. So I definitely think there's there's some really great options and stuff. And once the flight restrictions and stuff have uh, yeah. up a little bit, we got to get you over here and you can do like a, a Western seaboard tour for sure. That would oh, be... Yeah, <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I would be like that. I would be very happy to combine and available a little bit of teaching with, with seeing friends. Um, Yeah. And I mean, it What's looks now it- that things are like getting easier with flights again so yeah
0: yeah they are um what are when people come because like we talked about this before too like so it's like when when i tell people about the ice bath and when people talk about being cold and just being outside in the cold or having a cold shower or anything like that the apprehension level is like like a brick wall reinforced with steel like like people just hate the cold how do you work with people to take that plunge, to get into it, to, to appreciate to embrace the cold, to feel the benefit. Like, like how do you get people to like experience mm-hmm. or want to experience that?
1: Mm-hmm. So one, one thing is like pretty obvious, like to me, or like, I'm very aware of that fact. Like for, like if I teach a workshop, people need to sign up for that workshop. So they are paying quite some money to either come to a day workshop or a weekend or like a week. So there's definitely, you get people that are willing to try. Mm -hmm. Like otherwise they would not sign up for it. They would not pay the money and sign up if they would be like, oh my God, never, never, ever. Mm -hmm. So you definitely have a subclass of people that are open, They at least want to try. And then you in a way work with, like you help you help them. You you support them mentally and guide them. Like I I really like to do a little meditation before the ice. Also working with yeah, kind of seeing a picture or a little movie of yourself succeeding, succeeding of taking an ice bath, and that that obviously helps. It also helps people to see other people going in the ice, mm-hmm. like. So many people now, like now I had my first workshop here in Germany again, like after, after COVID, and some of them have read my book, and they're like, "Oh, you look so relaxed in the ice?" because there's one picture of me being like very calm in the ice, and people think on first, look, "Oh, she's sitting in a whirlpool," And then they look another time like, "Oh no, it's ice cubes." <laughs> oh my God!" And <laughs> um, in a way. People need to create such a a picture for themselves in their mind, seeing themselves being so relaxed in the eyes. That really helps. It also really helps to have a good reason to try it. Mm -hmm. I always say you need to find your why, your reason why you want to do that. Do you want to improve your health? Do you want to overcome a fear? Do you want to feel like how strong you really are to discover that? And there are so many reasons for it. And like people need to find their thing, like their why of, hmm. like on the last workshop on on Saturday, it's not so long ago, I had a a woman, she was in her sixties. And so she has children and grandchildren. And she was sitting in the ice for quite a long time. um, And then she started to cry. And like, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe, you know, it's time to, you, you can leave that behind now. You can get out. And she said like, yeah, like something that really fall off, like I could sometimes also people leave something behind, like, you know, to just in a very, very consciously do a ritual for themselves to, to start new, to start yeah. into something,
0: you know, something it's, it, different. It, it, yeah, and, you know, and th- I think, like, the more that, like, we-, we test ourselves in these environments that used to be environments that we were faced with just in everyday life, like, that is when we learn things really about, like, I think, who we are in our space in this planet and on this earth. Mm-hmm. And when we do typically what we're doing right now, whether you're going into a lab or going into a gym or, any, like, these different environments, like, where we work in, I don't really feel like you learn the same things about your space on this planet planet is you do when you're like in these kind of like these different looking environments they don't necessarily have to be too extreme but like when you're just when you're in something that is so different but you we all connect with it in such a way you really learn those things so i've had lots of moments like that like this morning when i was sitting in the tank for the the first time ever you know like i'm like laying there and the sun's shining because it's outside and like my face is all nice and warm and I'm like, my body doesn't feel cold. I'm kind of like laying with my head on the side of the tank. I'm like, yeah. kind of like starting to like doze off and I feel like I'm slipping down into the tank and I'm just, so I'm like, but like I have that relaxation is exactly what I needed because I woke up this morning in the shittiest mood and I have no idea why yeah. I went to bed in a great mood. Like I'm just, I can't even remember the last time I woke up and I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And, but I did this morning and I'm like, I need to work this out. So I did like a wicked, intense, like 30 minute workout right into the tank. And it was just that relaxation. Like, I, I was just like, whatever hostility was inside me for whatever reason just mm-hmm. completely washed away. Mm-hmm. And was the foundation of what changed my day since then. But like, I know if I would have had to get up and go to work and sit in some kind of cubicle like office or like anything along those lines it would have just exacerbated those feelings. I never would have been able to, to shake it off. But that's where mm-hmm. I really find the value in, in doing these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of the most like transformable experiences that you can remember? Like this is obviously one of them with this woman who is in her 60s. But has there been anything else that is just really sticks out in your mind of things that you've witnessed?
1: Like for sure. Like we had a, had a man, he was like mm, in his late 40s, maybe beginning 50s. He came to us to a week in Poland and he was not really in such a good s- space for himself. Um, and he, he has done the week and he loved it. And like then there, like for quite some people, the hardest part starts when they come back. Like when the week is over, like there's a lot of work because you realized quite some things. Yeah. in that week um about who you really are and what you really want and what you're really able to do and what life is about like it's getting quite philosophical um and you're connecting with people and like yeah quite some people make some realizations for themselves also what they would like to change mm. and then of course there comes the hardest part it's like the part of do i dare to change yeah. like do i like I'm stepping out of this close circle where people you know, found each other and in the method and then they step out back into their normal life with everything which is there, like their normal jobs, their families and relationships. And then there comes this moment of, do I make a change? And like, he made a huge change. He the ch- um, changed jobs, mm. looked for something different. And he changed the city. Mm -hmm. Like he really made, like he shuffled everything around that is uh, possible. It it took him time, like it took him half a year to do that, but um, he he did it. Like he he set himself free of some like very strong uh, um, tights in a way um, in his life and started, started again in a new city and with a new job. And, with some new perspectives and that made me really like happy when I did, did see that yeah. um, like this ability to just rethink a little bit of who you are and your, what you want with your life and it made me very happy. Yeah. And like, of course there are these like stories like, oh my God changed so much from job till like he's now in like more Asia, like he was also in, in Denmark. Um, and there are smaller forms of it. You know, like smaller yeah. things that people take take home with them. Um mm, people that can live better with inflammatory bowel disease, like a really young um man, German, German man, um, in his early twenties suffers a lot from inflammatory bowel disease, like in Crohn's. And he really found that the Wim Hof method in addition with changing his diet actually helps him like so much also to see the bright side of life and Like he has so many restrictions in his life, but then he can see like, oh, but I do have this. I might be a lot different than other people in in early twenties with partying a lot, drinking a lot. And he can actually not do that. It's like, (laughs) he would like, he would suffer from it. And, but he has this and he can see the chance and the chance in his disease and what his, um, this life did. Yeah. Yeah. give him also with a challenge that he has on his shoulders for sure. Yeah. And it makes me also very happy. So it's like small stories, and big stories, everything is there.
0: Yeah. And and like all those like little, like those shifts, right. You know, like where it might not be something that day, it might not be something like that week, but it starts changing the course of people's lives and how the decisions they make. And it might be five years down the road or 10 years down the road where like all those like little shifts, formulate into that one big change be about like all these mm-hmm. seminars that you run can be that first domino that gets knocked over in the right direction of people making like solid change, like in their life. And that's, that's so critical because people are so petrified of change. Like mm-hmm. they will live in like the most uncomfortable, unhealthy environments just because that they're scared to change. But people like you are offering like this opportunity to change, to start making or changing that, that course, right?
1: I think that's also one of the things I really love about what I am doing, what Vim is doing, what the community is doing, is this like to create a space where of people that are different and (laughs) also to yeah to create a free space of expressing yourself and living the life that you want and not a life that somebody wants, but the life that you want.
0: Yeah. What's next for like certifications in in the Wim Hof is, is there anything else that you can do? Like like you've got to pull into this training, like is there another level that you can do or is there another courses when coming out with any, like, you know, extra training? What What's next from a, a training perspective?
1: Or not? Yes. Yeah, so like once you have done these three things that I mentioned, so the online course, the weekend, and after that, the week, then you are a level one instructor. And if you're a level one instructor, you are able to teach like day workshops and like you can like teach them in your country, but also in other countries like day workshops. And then after a year, you need to do another, another training session and you need to have done like a few workshops with, um, like they, they have it on the website. I don't, I cannot remember how many workshops you are, you need to You need to have done with how many people but they have a guideline like like 10 maybe 10 workshops with 10 people each or something like that you need to have teach that and then you can get over a day course um, to a level two instructor and once you have done that in a way that's a baseline of the most of the instructors are either level level one or level two you find some very rarely, you see some with level three, like my partner, for example, Dower is level three instructor because he's teaching in the academy. And all the people that are teaching in the academy, they, they become level three instructor. Um, so it's in a way showing, like... Like, to just teach the message, you don't need to be level level three. Um, <laughs> but if you are teaching in the academy, you will become level three. And, um, yeah, there are some some more that have, like, done, um, like, helped and supported a lot, for example, and travels around the world. I think they also got a level three status, although they are not working in the academy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, it's a handful of people. It's not so many that are level three.
0: What's it like at the academy? Like, what what do they do there? What does it look like? How big is it? Um, like, what's the function?
1: It's very small. Like, it's a, like a handful of instructors. They're mostly Dutch. That's why it was so important for me to learn Dutch, you know? Like, to... <laughs> <laughs> to to understand what they are talking about. <laughs> um it's a lot of um, a lot of bots <laughs> like with pre-name Bart like it seems to be a very popular Dutch name. Um so there are a lot of men, actually mostly men in there until now. Um and so it's it's not more than seven people like the Academy in 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 the Netherlands. Um and, is that
0: a goal of yours? Like, do you want to uh, work at the the academy, or is that something that you're aiming towards? Or
1: ah, uh, yeah, for for sure. Like, also with like working this year in March within the academy and helping there to teach the signs and some some stretches and some yoga. Like, I think I'm like in the way, like on the on the gate towards or on the way towards it. Um, it is a goal for me because I would really make an impact also i mean the Wim Hof method is only as good as the Wim Hof instructors are so if you are in the academy you you can catalyze change by making good instructors like like instructors that obviously know all about the method from a science perspective but also you can share some of your principles on what is a good teacher and what is not a good teacher i've also seen that in my life so like you know to to give them principles on how they can be amazing inspiring instructors on the mission together to 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 make a better world and yeah, yeah so i would love to be part of that and i think i, I might be I, I might might happen, <laughs> might
0: happen. I it kind of seems like a natural progression for you especially since you have such a connection with the academy and obviously it's just a burning passion of yours to be able to kind of you know gain more knowledge and gain more experience and just explore all the opportunities and stuff but um i also want to get into what we talked about before too so um i'm gonna shift our, our conversation here to walking around bare feet in the winter time in germany talk talk to me about. It. i've just been so fascinated I, i've told everybody that i know that you that you said that you mentioned that people in germany walk around uh, in their bare feet in the wintertime and, told him to avoid salty environments and, and why, but like, just feel me like, cause you said you've done it before. So you can speak with authority on it. So what made you do it in the first place? What did you feel like, like just
1: kind of give us the lowdown on it. Cause I have to mm-hmm. know a little bit more. Yeah. It just feels like, in a way it just feels natural. It's also a natural ability of our body to be able to walk barefoot. And it's, also a feeling of freedom, like if you feel like the earth and the grass and the little stones underneath your feet, it, it is nice. And um, like I recommend to everybody to, to just start it, to, to just try it. Like doesn't need to be far, doesn't need to be long, but just in summertime to walk a little bit barefoot on, I mean, it kind of gives you in a way like a holiday feeling I always think. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the walking on the beach bare feet you can do that any time of the year it's just that
0: is funny that you say that because when people go on vacation you usually walk around with like flip-flops or nothing on but like when we come back home it's like because i walk around in bare feet all the time and i have those uh five fingers shoes where it's like their little toe pockets and all kinds of stuff and i've worn them for almost 10 years now um and people still think i'm crazy you know like Mm -hmm. wearing them and people ask questions all the time But I wore the uh, uh, quote-unquote normal pair of shoes for the first time yesterday um, just while I was doing something very specific in the gym because I needed more traction. And my feet hurt today. like They they don't feel like I could – when I was wearing them, my feet felt cramped and I could feel that my muscles weren't firing properly and Mm -hmm. my feet weren't operating the way that they were supposed to. Um, I love – being barefoot but being barefoot yeah. in like this snow it seems like it goes back to like everything that we've ever been taught about you know like hypothermia and frostbite and like do you think that we are more susceptible to like frostbite and all kind of stuff because we just refuse to subject ourselves to the cold so our, our bodies can adapt to it as well um but we like have an adaptation process where you can walk around bare feet in the snow and not get frostbite
1: for sure for sure because our feet are always in socks and shoes and our hands might be sometimes exposed to the cold in winter but our feet are most of the time always covered so when you look at vim like i i'm not sure if this like this is not one of his official records but just last year vim told me very oh, josephine i did like two hours of horse dance bare feet in the snow so if you hear that story of Vim being bare feet in the snow for two hours, like it's not something that I would recommend for everybody, obviously, definitely not to start with, but we are able to do that mm. with some training. Now, of course. I mean, it's also when you hear of people running an ultramarathon. So people are definitely able to do that. Does it mean you should do it tomorrow without any training? No, doesn't mean that. So of course we need to, to adapt slowly and surely. And it could be like in summertime, first walking a little bit, then a little bit in fall, and then maybe just for a short time, like five minutes um, when there's fresh snow, Maybe you try it and think like, okay, it's just test note. I go outside for five minutes before I start to work or I, I pick up the post, like the you know the post delivery. I just walk that way on bare feet, get it and walk back into the house and to just experiment a little bit with it. And I'm we are we are very able to adapt to that. And our feet are meant to walk without anything. Like there are many people also in Germany Um, like really advocate for barefoot walking and also these barefoot shoes like the ones you mentioned where you have like the five in a way, five fingers or five toes but also like there are quite some brands now here in Germany for barefoot shoes where really your toes have place and your feet can in a way, you know, all the toes can spread and they are not like like, oh, like squeezed together um, in a way that people get like probably like quite some old women i think maybe also old men but i think old women that have always worn like high heels and stuff like that develop it in germany that they kind of get a sounds a little bit bad but like a sixth toe like yeah. just a, like there's an outside is of the feet is coming so much i was saying like oh my god and just because we put our feet into shoes they should never be it like
0: yeah. What are some of the things that you felt when you started walking around in the, in the snow with bare feet? Like, like, what did you feel like? Was it like intensely cold? Did it burn your feet? Did it feel very comfortable? Did it feel warm? Like, like, what, what are some of like the other responses? Like, did it feel euphoric? Was it something that you were drawn to? I know I ask a lot of questions, but yeah.
1: I like, it's, it's a mix of these things. Like for sure you feel your feet a lot and it gives you access to a new part of your body. It's like of kind of, you're feeling it for the first time, really. And um, for sure, like ice and snow can f- at first hurt. Like it's like having a first ice bar. Some people do have quite some pain when they do that. And it's the same when you have like a walk barefoot for the first time in the snow you you might feel pain and for sure i also did feel pain because it's also like it's it's a process and then you can keep on walking and just putting your mind some somewhere else like a meditation like a challenge for your mind to to stay in the moment and to not get too much into oh my god maybe i get a frostbite because that is the kind of this fear makes us pain <laughs>
0: in a way like we kind of will it to ourselves like if we think like oh i'm gonna get frostbite we, you know we'll probably end up getting frostbite like oh i think it's cold you're gonna make it colder than what it is like you know like oh this is terrible i don't like this there's no way you're gonna connect with why you would like it you know like You know, like you said, Mm -hmm. like we kind of coach ourselves down roads that we, you know, we shouldn't normally go down if we just kind of disassociate ourselves, or maybe learn to appreciate it, like what you're saying.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like with five minutes, there's no harm. Like start with two or five minutes in the snow and you will be fine. I can, I can promise you like keep on walking five minutes. You will be fine. There is no danger to it at all. Is it something (laughs) that many times?
0: yeah do you do it like regularly or did you just start kind of like last winter like how long have mm-hmm. you uh done it or like do you do you implement it as like a regular protocol in your in your yeah day-
1: in a way like actually it came to me in south africa where i was in i was there in 2016 and again in 2017 and I was staying with, with somebody who runs like a hostel there, a really, really nice guy. And I helped him there and teach some yoga. And he was always running around bare feet. Like he would climb table, table Mountain in South Africa, bare feet. And um, he, in a way, like inspired me to try more. And so it's not so long. It's like now well, maybe, yeah, a little bit more than three years that I'm doing that more like yeah. more consciously um but it was obviously something that i was not totally like thinking like oh off because like i remember working in my office um in the biotech field and i always had like a little sticker that said like life is better in flip-flops so i was always like a fan of yeah. like having free feet and yeah life is better in flip-flops um And always this this moment in fall where for the first time you need to put your feet back into shoes, like not being able to wear flip-flops again, but it's like, I I always hated that. Mm -hmm. Like I can remember clearly, like all my life, I hated the moment of, oh, it's getting too cold. So you need to put on shoes now. And now obviously that has changed as well. So I run around in flip-flops even for quite some time. And other people think like, oh, it's October. Why does she still wear flip-flops? I don't understand that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and there's like, you know, a big, like kind of like, you know, for lack of a better analogy, like free the foot moving. You're like, go outside, you know take off your shoes, take off your socks, get your feet in the dirt, feel that mud, Mm -hmm. feel like, and just kind of rebuild that connection. Because like, you know, we feel it. And like, I know when I'm in the, in the backcountry, and we're hiking, like, I always try to take my shoes off if we're, you know, by like a really remote lake. And you know like, I walk around and like, you just you feel such a better connection with your environment. And I feel like you appreciate things, you know, Mm -hmm. like so much more, because you realize that, it's not two entities, you know, but like, we're really just a singular biological entity. There's just kind of like, we're all like a bunch of different molecules or atoms like floating around. We just look a little bit differently, you know, but like, we're really just this biological matter that all is connected. It's just things like shoes and socks and clothes and like all these things are just the disassociations between those where it breaks that connection. Right.
1: It's a separation, like a separation from, you in the outside world, like everything you put on, like you can even see it like as as a protection suit, like a like to shield you off and like to take down the shields is helping you to to open up and also become more aware. I think if you walk barefoot, like you you're stepping differently, you're walking with a different awareness. Um, yeah. yeah
0: so you seem extremely well traveled you have quite a few stories from different parts around the world. And the reason why I bring that up is because I tell everybody all the time, I think one of the biggest injustices that we do to our children is just, they go to school, you know, like they, they stay in this typically one town at like this one school with these one set of friends. And then they go to university. That's probably like a, a, you know, maybe it's in a different place, but most of the time it's local, you know, but traveling around the world and meeting new people and understanding like what the world's really like, like you said, you, you traveled to South Africa and ended up walking around outside in Germany with no shoes on. You know, like, but you probably would have never have done that. Well, I wouldn't say never, but like, you know, you had to travel around to be able to gain those experiences or travel to the Netherlands to be able to meet Wim. Like, you know, like what kind of value do you place in your life with just how much you've toured around the world and just had a chance to sit with people who don't think like you or see different visual images like this man climbing tabletop mountain in South Africa with no shoes on. Like like what's the value that that's all brought to your life?
1: A huge value, a huge value. Like I was recently asked to write like a little chapter for a book with like 10, 10 questions about life and like quite some philosophical questions. And there was one question, which was, what was the best investment you ever made? Mm. And I was really thinking, like, I, I guess thought about it for a moment, but in a way, I first had, like, a, directly, like, an answer and did, did stay with that. Uh, the best investment for me <laughs> was after my PhD to go traveling. Like, against, like, everything that people told me that I should do after I've done my PhD and completed it, like writing applications to farmer and so on. Like, I decided, okay, I take a backpack and I go for a year to Asia um, I was in Southeast Asia um, just with like a backpack and I don't know maybe 15 kilos in it and um, that was the best investment I ever, ever made and it's one thing is about you go to other places, you meet inspiring new people, you see how other people live their life. Also in not so fortunate parts of the world and you kind of get a new viewpoint on your shower that is just, you know, water running, um, that you don't need to carry, that you always have and the fridge and the stove and um, like a cupboard with full of clothes where you think like, oh, these people have two t-shirts and two shorts. And they live a pretty good life. Um, So definitely that is one part of it, like the inspiration. But the other part comes, I think, from being outside of your bubble. Like you leave everything behind. You leave your parents behind. You leave your friends behind. Like I traveled alone, like for uh, for this year. And that was the best thing ever because I could come to my own self. I could discover who I am, if I'm not influenced by my circle. And I love my circle. Like it's nothing against my circle, but it was good (laughs) to take a step back and to realize who I really am without all of that. Mm -hmm. What is really Josephine? What are Josephine's needs? What are, what is Josephine's passion? What does she really want from life? And like that, that really, um, had really change me and that was in 2012 2013 and after after that I actually started also with a yoga teacher training and um, I learned about meditation in, in Thailand and yeah. I was fascinated by what meditation does that's um, for me and yeah then I started when I came back home I started with a yoga teacher training and kept on meditating yeah and from there the whole new world of um, body and mind connection and also the Wim Hof Method opened for me.
0: And like, What are anymore- all the, the places that you went, you know, like, like Thailand, Cambodia, you know, like places like that, or like, where were some of the countries that you traveled?
1: Mm-hmm. So first I, I, I started in Singapore, like I saw that's a good starting point, like still quite Western. And then I did not fly anymore, but I, everything I did was by, by feet or, or bus or train. So I traveled into Malaysia and traveled all of malaysia with it's not so known like as a country like not so many people go there but it's amazing it's amazing food as well and so nice and um, traveled from south malaysia up to the north of um, malaysia and then i crossed into into thailand um the borders are, are open like there are some conflicts but if you know how to like it's i think until now it's it's all safe and then i traveled into thailand and also there by by train going from the south up into the north crossed over into laos which is beautiful and stunning and like very rural but in a beautiful beautiful way and um, was traveling in laos going back into thailand for visa extensions stayed in a monastery did a silent meditation retreat for oh, 10 what? days went back into laos also for for visa purposes crossing like a little bit from back and forth going back into into Thailand, yeah. have seen Myanmar like Burma. Yeah, it just opened like the year before. It was was very nice. I really liked that. Um, Travelling is was quite limited in in Myanmar or Burma at that time, so you could only see part of it. Um, but I I did visit what I could. Um, I loved it a lot, and from there. I did actually take a flight and I um, did fly to Australia to visit my sister, my little sister, um, for Christmas. So we did have, have like a little family reunion in, in Australia um, that year. And yeah, I've also been in New Zealand in the same, same trip and I love that. Like really this was the best investment I, I ever did. Pretty sure about yep. it.
0: <laughs> wow, so you're pretty fearless you would say like the woman traveling alone, all these like third world countries, And I know a lot of them are very safe. I know quite a few people who traveled through like Thailand and Cambodia and Laos and, you know, and they, they said there is a certain level of comfort, but you know, just to like break that mold again, like most people are so scared to like quit a job. They hate, you know, but there here's you, you know, go to school for 10 years, getting your PhD by the oral 10 years, by the end of your PhD, I would assume. And Mm -hmm. uh, you're just like, I'm just going for it. You know, I'm going to be doing meditation in monasteries to crossing borders to going into, you know, former communist countries. And like, it just like, what an adventure life. Like I, mm-hmm. my, I live my life every day, like as an adventure, I just want to cast my sail in the morning or wherever it takes me. Like, I just want to be happy with that no matter mm-hmm. what that seems like. But um, your life is just so intriguing, like, what a story.
1: You know, because yeah, I mean, you do talk
0: about South Africa or like, you know, like you talk about you've been in like Netherlands and Poland and like, it's just, I'm like, wow, it's just mind blowing.
1: Like, I'm very happy about the the life that I created for myself, but I, I need to add something to this. Like the reason why I did that after my PhD is was because I was in a huge crisis. Like I was not even like, not even 30, um, but I, but I, I had a. I, I, I don't even know how to call it. It was probably a mix of a burnout and a depression because I knew that I was not on the right path. Like I, I've realized what research means in Germany and I realized that I'm not matching in that, in that whole thing. And I was like, damn, what do I do? Like 10 years, as you said, of um, working hard for something that you always thought you wanted. And then realize, damn, this is a a street that ends here. I can literally not go any further. And like your whole bubbles at home, like with family and friends, I expect you to go one, one way. They say like, oh, go right. You see, you can go right. Go that way. And you're like, damn, that's really not the way I want to go. What should I do? Like I was really at a point in my life where I was like, I could not sleep anymore. I could not eat anymore. Like if you would see pictures of me that time, I looked very, very like pale and skinny and not, definitely not healthy. And I knew that I need to take a break from everything, mm-hmm. like to, to save my life in a way. I, I needed to take a break to save my life. And I said, like, okay, what, what do I do? Like, I know there, there will be a solution. But I need to get out of here. So it was in a way like a, a thing of a self-rescue thing. <laughs>
0: yeah. But mm-hmm. like look at how it just paid dividends in your life. Mm-hmm. Like look what that did. And you don't even know the full benefit or potential of like what that experience offered you. You just know that it set the groundwork that was mm-hmm. a huge shift in your life. You know, something you worked so hard for, you know, getting like your PhD to ending up where you are now. Not that one is better than the other, you know, just depending on like who you are, but like, it really just changed the course of your life, mm-hmm. but you're still so young. You have so much opportunity and so much potential. Like, like this is just scratching the surface of it all.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like we all have, like, we all have so much potential, but some people don't see it. They, they don't look outside of it. They think like, oh, this is how it's meant to be. I'm having now my partner. I've got my child. I built my house. I have my job. And this is it. And they don't really look outside. They also don't dare to do that. And I I needed to because I could just not be in there anymore. I I would have, I'm not sure if I would still live today. If I would have not broken out of the bubble to, to, to go out. I think I could not have stayed it. No.
0: Yeah. Well, and like you said, you know, if, if you were still living, you wouldn't be living probably the quality of mental health that what you're living now, you know, like it, it could have easily been a struggler working for big pharma and taking some of the things that these companies, you know, have produced just so that you could go back to work for those companies every single day. But now you just do all these amazing things with your life and you're, you know you're letting life just fulfill you and like your happiness will fill you and you've really connected with that because you can see it when you talk and the way that you smile about it when, you, when you're explaining it. Like it, it's very pure and authentic. Mm,
1: mm.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Uh, mm. Maybe we can wrap things up there. I think that's a really great message to be able to, to end off on because like a lot of people are very scared to be able to take that leap. And when they see people living something that they deem to be happy in what they're living, they think that they have, other people haven't struggled before that you just kind of naturally found this great path, but you know, somebody like you invested so many years in your life and in schooling to the net result of that was not happiness. It was the opposite. And then you had to completely change course. I think like those messages are the most valuable messages that like we can all share to give people some leverage to be able to make those changes in their lives. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I believe that too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it needs courageous people to make new courageous people. Yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I know it's probably, well, it's not too late. There was getting into no. your, evening. I'm sure that you want to relax a little bit and stuff, but I just, again, immensely appreciate you coming on and, and spending time with me today.
1: Of course. It was a pleasure and awesome questions. I was so happy to share some of my, yeah, inner truth.
0: <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Josephine. Have a great night. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.